0: I know it's snowy outside, it's cold outside, y'all be celebrating, at least you got warmth. <laughs> y'all be happy you're not out there in it, praise the Lord. Uh, I'm going to start a new series this morning, and this is an accidental series. I intended to preach one sermon, and the longer I worked on it, the longer it got, and this year I'm trying to preach shorter, better sermons, and once I figured out that I had about 27 pages of notes, I realized I could not... <sighs> In good conscience, keep you here uh, until kickoff at 6 o'clock tonight. So I decided I would turn it into a a series, and then I thought it was just going to be two weeks and three weeks, and now it's a four-week series. And the series is called The Anatomy of a Lie. Hmm. I've, I've been very deliberate and very intentional with how I've been setting up my sermons for the first month of this new year. And this fits right in line with what I want to do. Now, some of you... Are new Every Christmas season we pick up new people and we're thankful for that. Christmas at the movies, amen. Christmas at the movies and the live nativity and all those outreaches we do always draws new people and we pick up new people uh, every Christmas season. But you may be here this morning wondering, well, what is a series? Well, there's a few things that you need to know about us. So let me introduce, if you were here for Christmas at the movies, that's not normal. That that's that's something that we do as an experience for three or four weeks during December. But let me introduce you to the normal atmosphere around here. What kind of church is this? Well, we call ourselves that church. And we say that church, we mean we're not church as usual. We're not church that you're probably used to somewhere else. And let me explain what what I mean by that. We have dynamic worship. We have great worship, great music, great singers. And, and, and there's a lot of churches that are centered around different things, and there's nothing wrong or, or inherently right about any of them. Some of them are centered around prayer. Some of them are centered around worship. Some of them are centered around a small family uh, atmosphere. We are centered around this book. That's, that's who we are. We, we're centered around this book. However, we are balanced with this book, and you may not be used to that. Wherever you went to church at, Before you showed up here, you may not be used to having a balanced outlook. We believe in the whole Bible rightly divided. And let me explain what I mean by that. Because I've known churches when I was growing up, especially when I was a young Christian in the South, that preached every service, what I called, what's affectionately known in the South as hellfire and brimstone. And, and, And it's all sin all the time. And when you come to church, you always feel like they took this thing and used it as a hammer and you was the nail. Somebody say amen if you know what I'm talking about. And some church folks, especially in the South, that's their only witnessing tool. They tell you, you need to come to church because you, be- you better get right or you'll get left. Turn or burn. And, and it's all about hell and it's all about sin. And so to counteract that, several years ago, there was this emergence call called Seeker Friendly Churches that started to come on the scene. And they decided that they weren't going to talk about any sin and any hell. They were going to preach messages that makes you feel good when you leave. Well, we are that church because we believe in this entire book. We don't skip pages even when the truth is tough. We don't consider your feelings because we would rather have you upset at us than sideways with God. That's who we are. Now, we do not take this book and use it as a battering ram to beat you down. We use it as a tool to help pick you up because that's what this book should be used for. And the truth is, if you believe this book, hell is real, and you don't want to go there. And because of Jesus, you don't have to. And if you believe this book, heaven is real. And you want to go there. And because of Jesus, you can have it. Amen? And, and, and so there are decisions that you make in life and I make in life that God's not pleased with. And he tells us about them in this book. And there are choices we make that upset God. And he tells us about it in this book. And there's also uh, lifestyles that we choose and things that we follow that aren't pleasing to God. And he tells us about it in this book. But there's also grace and forgiveness that makes absolutely no sense to us because we know what we've done. And through Jesus Christ, we can have the truth of that as well. It's balanced. And, And so when you come to this church, you get both sides of every coin because we find the answers in this book. And if that's something that you can be happy about this morning, why don't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise that you're in that church. So I'm going to lay the groundwork for a new series that I'm starting. It's going to be four weeks. And the theme of this year, you're going to hear this a lot, is advance. What the Lord spoke to my spirit at Watch Night was was advance, and I preached about it at that service. I'm not going to rehash all of that, but this month we're going to be challenging you to do exactly that advance. I don't know how many of you feel stuck. I don't know how many of you feel uh, like you've been tormented in one place for long enough and you need to move forward. But I'm going to challenge you this month to advance. And I feel like this month is a, is a month of reflection. It's also a month of healing. And it should lead us to a land of victory. That's how. I, and I feel so strongly about it that starting next Sunday for the next three weeks of this series. We're going to take communion every single Sunday morning. Because we're going to expose a lot for the next four weeks. All of these sermons are, are intertwined. We're going to be talking about the anatomy of a lie. But it's not just one lie. We're going to be talking about a lot of things that you have probably fallen victim to and maybe not even realized that you're operating under the delusion of a lie. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to be more in a teacher mode, especially in a couple of weeks. It's going to be like an old-timey Bible study. I will wear your pen out with all the scriptures I'm going to give you in about two weeks. But this morning, uh, I, want to, I, want to I want to go back to last Sunday. I pulled a sneaky on you. I didn't have time to address it because I wanted to tie all of these sermons together throughout the whole month. Last week, my last scripture, if I could have the part of it up on the screen that I asked you to bring, was Acts 20, 24, and this is what Paul said, but none of these things move me. None of these things. He was talking about the perils, the dangers, the situations, the people trying to kill him, his own own kinsmen turning against him, going to prison for things he didn't do. All of these things. But none of these things moved me. That, That was where we stopped last week. That's where we ended. Acts 20, 24. So we're going to advance in 2024, And the reason we're moving forward is because what Paul said, the stuff that you have came through, you're not going to let it move you anymore." Your 2024 is going to look different than your 2023, and you know that I don't get caught up in all the uh, ideas of New Year's resolutions that, that your whole life's going to change just because the calendar flipped the page. I don't believe that because those things have to come from within you, but I am going to bring you into such a place where you and the Word are going to be so intersected that you're not going to be happy. You're not going to be satisfied staying stuck. I want to disturb you. I want to challenge you. I want to aggravate you to the point where you say I can't stay where I've been your 2024 is going to say none of this stuff's moving me anymore the bad relationships I've been through the bad choices I've made the decisions that I've the abuse that I've suffered none of that's going to move me because 2024 is not 2023 this is not that and I'm going forward will somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise So I'm going to take my time. I'm not going to get too deep into these things this morning. i got one thing I want to hit on at the end of this message, uh, but, but I want to tie them all, all four together. Uh, this morning, I want to begin by asking you a question. If I don't get anything else out this morning, this is worth it. I want to ask you a question. How is your spiritual health? Now, the Bible talks about the soul a lot, but some of you might be new to church. And if I want, I want all of you old-timers And by old-timers, I mean people that's been with me for a while. Those of you that are more versed in the Word. I want you to give a little bit of grace as we start this new year because we have picked up a lot of new people. And sometimes I have to rehash lessons that you probably already know. But if you're new to church, let me explain something to you. You are one person, but you have three parts. And a lot of people don't know that. You have a physical body. And you're very familiar with that body. And your body is how you communicate with the world around you. It's how you shake hands. It's how you hug. It's how you kiss. It, it, it's how you, uh, it, it's how you uh, assimilate your world to yourself. You smell things. You see things. You hear things. You touch things. That, that's how you correspond with the world. And in turn, the world corresponds back to you. You have a physical body. However, you also have a spirit. If you have been saved through Jesus Christ, your spirit is alive. That's the second part of you. Now between the spirit and the flesh is this thing called a soul. Your soul is made up of three parts. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. We are going to be dealing specifically with those three elements as we go into this concept of the anatomy of a lie. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. Why are we going to spend so much time on that? Because the deepest, purest, truest part of you is your spirit. If you're saved, your spirit is perfect because it's God's spirit living inside of you. So that's the truest version of yourself because you were made in his image and likeness. So your spirit inside of you is perfect. However, you've got this flesh. You've got this carnality on the outside of you that doesn't like things of the spirit. As a matter of fact, it likes the things of the world. It likes the things it can touch. It likes the stuff it can smell and taste and and feel and see. It likes that. So you've got this war going on between your heavenly spirit and your earthly body. And the connector between the two, the bridge that keeps these two things connected, is something called the soul. And your soul is the filter through which... Your world gets filtered into your spirit. Your soul will feed one or the other, depending on what you allow to operate there. Your mind, your will, and your emotions are either feeding your flesh, and you're following that, or your mind, your will, and your emotions will get so hooked up to God that you will get so ingrained in His Word that you will begin to feed your spirit. And one will outlive, outgrow, outmature the other. Which one? The one you feed the most. So it's my challenge to show you how you have been loving Jesus and also living a lie. You've been loving the Lord, but living under the lie of a delusion. And you don't know it. You just call it a struggle, you call it a habit. Maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's a choice, but you didn't know that the reason you're doing it is because you've been lied to. And you don't know that this strong delusion has so affected your mind, your will, and your emotions that every time you try to strengthen your spirit, your spirit can't break through because your mind, your will, and your emotions don't love Jesus as much as your spirit does. So you come to church and you raise your, oh, I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. All that I have is a hallelujah. And you sing the songs and you cry tears and you really mean it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like it's a struggle. Like you love Jesus, but it's a struggle. And you can't ever break through. Does anybody know what it feels like to have that wall where you get so close to God, but then there's, that, there's something in the way. There, there's, a, there's a stone that won't move. There's a barrier that won't. There's a wall that won't come down. There's, does anybody know what it, what it feels like? You're pursuing God with, you feel like everything you've got, but then there's just something in the way. Every one of us has the same difficulty. You've had your flesh longer than your spirit's been alive. You know how to feed the flesh. You have to educate yourself how to feed the spirit. And between the two is this soul that doesn't like to conform to God but loves to feed itself from the world. Both the soul and the spirit matter to the Lord. Both the soul and the spirit matter to the Lord. Both the soul and the spirit matter to the Lord. You know what the Lord don't care about? The body. But pastor, I thought the Lord would heal me. Oh, he'll heal you, but that's for you. That's not for him. When you get ready to go to him, he leaves this thing behind. He he is not concerned with this body. The Bible says you won't take this when you go there. He, as a matter of fact, he is so unconcerned with the body, he gives you a new one. When you you leave here and go there, you leave this thing. The Bible says that this thing returns to the dust from which it was created. So he is not concerned with the body. You, however, your New Year's resolutions are always, I'm going to get fit. I'm going to lose weight. How come our New Year's resolution is, I'm never going to get my soul tidied up. How come our, our New Year's resolution never is I'm going to start feeding my soul but instead we're always worried about feeding ourselves salad. We're worried about the one thing God doesn't care about and we don't emphasize the two things that God is concerned with. So the question for 2024 is how much do you think about your soul? How is your soul? How are you doing in the soulless realm today? And what are you doing to attend to your soul? well, oh, Pastor, I thought I was only supposed to care about my spirit. Your spirit will never get fed if your mind, your will, and your emotions are broke. If you don't understand that there is a realm between where you don't want to live, which is in the flesh, and where you need to live, which is in your spirit, you're never going to deal with this man in the middle. And this man in the middle is what has led you astray. It, I, I preached an entire series last year. Uh, if you were part of that, then you saw it. I had a big heart up here on the stage, and I had a big brain out here, and I, was, I preached an entire series based on this concept. The Old Testament speaks of the soul 750 times at least. Now, some of you are in the health field and the medical field. I did a little research, and those that try to treat mental health disorders have a book that they use. It's called the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. And they call this book the Healthcare Mental Bible. Okay? And the psychologist and the psychiatrist and the people that study mental health issues, uh, it, it has the diagnoses in it of all the mental health issues in the world today. And by the way, that book gains new chapters every year. They're always discovering new mental disorders that they add to this Bible. Can you guess how many times this Bible mentions the soul? If your guess is zero, you'd be correct. Because all the the, uh, capacity that medical science can come up with is how to deal with the mind. However, if all we're ever dealing with are mental disorders, we're not correcting the will or the emotions. And so medical science can't get out of you what you need to get out of you. You need the Holy Ghost. You need the word of God hidden in your heart and the Holy Spirit to cleanse out of you what you cannot get out through medication or counseling or any you you need a supernatural cleansing. And that's what I want to talk to you about in this series, because uh, you have a body, you have a soul, and if you're saved, you have an alive spirit in you, and most of you have only been treating one or two of those things. And a lot of us are not very well on the soul level, I'm going to be honest with you, because uh, understand, if you're not well in your soul, it don't matter how many push-ups you do, you're not going to be well on any level, really. Uh, Because of that, your soul needs to be your highest priority, Your spirit will take care of itself because your spirit is connected to God. You don't have to strengthen your spirit. Your spirit will strengthen you. But you need to make your soul your highest priority. Busy people today say crazy stuff like, I don't have time for church. I don't have time for Bible study. I don't have time for prayer and worship. I got too much going on. Too much to take care of your soul. Too much to take care of your mind, your will, and your emotions. So so people are making plans to have time to go to the gym. We definitely make time to go to work. But I'm going to encourage you this morning, you need to prioritize your soul. Jesus said it better than I could in Matthew chapter 16. He said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? And what Jesus was actually saying was this. You can make all the money. You can rule all the nations. And you can rack and stack all the material goods that money can buy, but if you lose your soul, none of it profited you. And some of us could probably use a little less work and a little more prayer. And some of us could probably give a little less time to our hobbies and give a little more time to our worship and strengthen our soul and find out that the things we think we can't neglect or really distracting us from the thing that we couldn't uh, neglect in the first place, which is our soul. And maybe you're focused on the new year and exercising dominion over external things, but I I want you to begin to pay attention to not lose dominion over your soul. Because some of you are sick in the body, and it's not because God wants you sick. God doesn't want any of us sick. Some of you have marriages that are unraveling and falling apart, and it's not because that's God's will. Some of you are uh, watching your kids uh, go off and, and do all kinds of manners of, of wild craziness, and you, you can't seem to pray, you can't seem to get a breakthrough, and it's not because that's God's will for their life. Some of us are praying under the delusion of a lie. Some of us are reading our Bibles and quoting scriptures, but a lie is standing between us and victory. These are the things I want to expose in the next four weeks. Are you up for it? Amen? Okay. Let's let's jump into Judges chapter 8. I'm only going to use one verse, so I'm not going to ask you to stand this morning. Uh, Judges chapter 8. Now, the book of Judges is a collection of stories about how dysfunctional Israel was. I like it because it shows you how dysfunctional all of us are. Let me just give you a brief synopsis of the book of Judges up until this point. Israel was God's people. Say yes. Israel would get close to God and then take God for granted and then backslide. And then God would send another nation to take them as slaves. And as they were slaves, they would cry out to God. And God would send a judge to free them, to get them loose. And then they would start the cycle all over again. Isn't it amazing how when we're in captivity, we cry cry out to God. But then when God brings us into victory, we forget it. By the way, this was not a new concept by the book of Judges. God had already told his people, when you come into the promised land, don't forget who got you there. That's another sermon for our Sunday night service, uh, our super Sunday service coming at the end of this month. And we're going to be looking at that very idea. But he said, when you get into the promised land, don't forget you didn't get there because you're strong. And and this this was God's people's mentality all the time. They would get in trouble, cry out to God. God would help them, rescue them, because that's what he does. And then they would immediately forget Him, and they would be in bondage again, and the crazy cycle would just continue. Does that sound like anybody's life in this building this morning? Like like you come to church, and things start going well, and you start praising God because all the well things are happening, and you start celebrating the Lord, and then you kind of forget to follow God's rule. Because everything's going well, what do I need to submit to his authority anymore? And you keep coming to church because you love Jesus, but did he really mean that I can't have that? I mean, look how fine he is. Look how cute she is. Did he really mean I couldn't take that job? Does he really mean I can't go in debt for this? Does, I mean, look how good my life is. And then you get in captivity, and you cry out to God for God to rescue. Y'all not going to help me. <laughs> you cry out to God for God to rescue you. And then hey, the cycle just starts all over again. Does that sound like anybody else? That's, that's the book of Judges. That's what, and God would send this person. He would anoint this person called a judge. And the judge would come and be the leader that would lead them into victory. Now, this was the time before Israel ever had a king. The kings would come later. And we preach a lot about a man named Gideon. That's who we're going to talk about this morning. Gideon became uh, Israel's judge in chapter 6. The thing about Gideon was he didn't think he was tough enough. He was a little bit of a coward. He really didn't believe in himself. He had low self-esteem. He didn't even believe God wanted him to lead. So God had to show him a couple of signs in order to get him to be the leader that he wanted him to be. And then in chapter 7, Gideon has this... uh, Famous battle with the Midianites. And if you've ever read this story or you've been in church and you've heard about the battle with the Midianites, Gideon had too many soldiers, God said. So God kept whittling it down. Y'all don't whittle up here. My, my southern roots are showing again. He kept decreasing the army until Gideon only had 300 soldiers to fight against 125,000 Midianites. Because God wanted to show Gideon, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit that will bring you the victory. And, and, so, and so that's chapter 7. Now here in chapter 8, here's what happened. With 300 soldiers, Gideon overcomes the Midianites. He's whooped them all, killed most of them. But then the ones that they couldn't get their hands on started scattering. They were running all over the country, and that's what's happening here in Judges chapter 7. And we're going to look at verse 4. Gideon then crossed the Jordan River with his 300 men. Stop right there. Stop right there. Don't don't read the rest of it yet. He started with 300 men against 125,000. They have killed most of the 125,000 and they still have 300 men. They haven't lost a soldier. And they have already defeated an army of 125,000 people. And there's only a few left. And they're chasing the few that are running away from them. And look what it says. And though exhausted, they continued to chase the enemy. I came into the church a little over 25 years ago. And the, the big topic of discussion in the church everywhere, all the books, all the conferences all the big name preachers they were all talking about this thing called spiritual warfare and they were always telling you about the whole armor of God and they were always telling you about naming and claiming and they were talking about the right way to anoint people and all of that's fine and necessary but do you know what I never saw preached in church before? The price you pay just from fighting. The price and the toll it takes on you to just stay in the battle. Because when I got in church 25 years ago, it was all about putting on the whole armor of God and how God was going to show up and His, his our angels would go before us and His angels would go and all the songs that was being written. And, and back then was, was the time of the big revival that was happening in Pensacola and all the songs that were being sung was about how God was for us and He was a mighty shield and a, and a stalwart of our defense. And all that is true. But nobody ever got up in pulpits and stood flat-footed and looked at us and said, but sometimes... You're going to be winning the battle and be weary. Listen to what the Bible says. It says that they were chasing the enemy, which means they've got the enemy on the run, but they were exhausted. Some of you don't like to admit that you're exhausted because you feel like it means that you're a loser, but this scripture shows you that you can be winning the warfare and be weary. Child of God, hear me this morning. They were doing what God told them and still got wore out. They were resisting the devil and even had the devil on the run. But they got wore out. They were winning the fight but were exhausted. Does anybody know what it feels like to be winning but weary? Like you know God's for you and nothing can be against you. But Does anybody know what it feels like to be fighting and you know God's on your side and you're seeing the evidence that He is with you, but you are just, is it just me? Is it just me and Jenny in this room? I mean, you are, you are winning. You know, you're confident that God is for you so nothing can be against you, but you are just wore out. Hear me this morning. You're wore out, but you're still going. You haven't quit because the enemy couldn't make you quit. You're still going. In fact, I think a lot of us find ourselves in the same situation and I don't even, we don't even realize it because sometimes winning feels like you're actually losing when you're winning while you're exhausted. While you're winning but you're burned out. You're winning but you are depleted. You're winning but you are weakened. Because Fighting takes a lot out of you. Now listen, I hit the big 5-0 this year. When I was half that age and going back, I was not Bishop Mitchum. I was another dude that you have never met. My wife has met him. She met him well. She'll tell stories about that guy about how that guy would as soon slap the taste out of your mouth as to look at you. How that guy, every time he, he got in an altercation, usually somebody ended up in the hospital. He, she can tell you stories because there was another guy that was in this meat suit that didn't have the same morals or the values that I hold currently today. There's still some of him down in there. Don't, 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 don't test the water. Like he, <laughs> he could be summoned. <laughs> but but there's a lot less of him than there used to be. Thanks. Thanks be under Jesus. But 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 I, I will tell you that at 25, I was a lot more apt to do things that I'm not apt to do at 50, and it ain't even Jesus. It's Stuff hurts now that didn't hurt back then. (laughs) Listen, you know what I found out a long time ago? and I Help me, Holy Ghost. I'm just testifying. I'm not encouraging. You know what I found out about fights a long time ago? Ain't nobody wins a fight. Nobody wins a fight. You know how many times I've had my knuckles busted and broken on this hand? And every time they say, boy, Albert really put one on him. Yeah, but I put one on myself, too. At the same time, because staying in the battle, even when you win, costs you something. You do not come out of any battle unscathed. You don't come out of any battle bringing in what you brought to it. You always lose something in the battle. And that's what we never talk about. We only talk about spiritual warfare and the great victories God's going to give us. But that's why winning sometimes feels like losing because you get exhausted. Your body gets exhausted from hard work. But have you ever thought about how worn out you are on the inside? Anybody else know what it feels to be just have inside exhaustion? Listen, I've been I've been staying off of social media. I've been I've been I've only been going on there and sharing stuff from the church and stuff. I've been trying to to just stay off of it because it makes me internally exhausted. It it takes stuff out of me and puts nothing of value in me. I go on, I hit it, and I get away. I drop a bomb and I leave. <laughs> okay. Look at this scripture. They are completely defeating the enemy. They have the enemy on the run. And isn't that what we want? We want to get the enemy on the run. That's what they're doing. And all they have to do is finish the fight. The enemy is running away from them. And they get to the Jordan River. And the Bible says they had a decision to make. Do we cross over even though we're tired? Or do we stay here and lick our wounds and try to recoup some of what we lost? I know a lot of people that have gotten to that same place and did not cross over people that used to be faithful to God and His house, people that used to hold ministry titles, people that used to be on fire for the Lord, and they got to the place where they were just exhausted and they chose not to cross over because they could not tell the difference between wore out and defeated. This sermon title, that's all, all that's my introduction, This sermon title is, I think I can. I think I can. Because let me expose your soul for a little bit. The truth is when you get exhausted, when you get worn out, your mind will play tricks on you. Why do you think the enemy waits until you are depleted to come talking to you? I don't even have time to get into this, but when he got Jesus into the wilderness, he waited until Jesus had been fasting for 40 days. Can you imagine how emaciated his body was? Can you imagine how mentally exhausted and worn out Jesus was? Yes, Jesus was God, but he was fully man. And Can you imagine going 40 days without water, without food? Jesus is emaciated. He's down to skin and bones. His mind is probably trying to play tricks on him, and then the devil shows up. Then the devil comes spreading his lies. You want to know why? He waits until you are standing there at a crossroads having to make a decision. Do I go across or do I stay here? I'm so tired. I'm so weary. I know I'm winning, but it doesn't feel like I'm winning. He waits until that moment because a confused and fatigued mind will make bad decisions. If he can get this body and this mind weary and he comes spreading his lies at that moment, he can talk you into stuff that you just fought your way out of. I want to take you to John chapter 8 to show you how this works. We're probably going to use John chapter 8 several times, at least reference it through this sermon series. Because here's a crazy confrontation between Jesus and a crowd of people. John chapter 8 beginning with verse 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, stop right there. These were Jews that used to be Jews, but now they have converted to following Jesus. That's important for you to understand. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. This is the famous scripture that everybody quotes. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him and said, we're Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anybody. Stop right there. What an ignorant thing for them to say. What was the whole 420 years in Egypt? They were Abraham's descendants then too. They have always been slaves to somebody. What was the Babylonian 70 years that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego spent? They've been slaves to people over and over and over again. They're trying to... Convince themselves that they are arrogantly tougher than they really are. He says, we've never been slaves to anyone. How can anyone say we should be set free? Jesus replied, verily, truly, I say to you, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's descendants, You are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. You have no room for my word. You have no room for my word. You got room for resolutions. You you got room for another eight-hour work shift. You, you You got room for another pedigree, but you got no room for my word. I'm telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your Father. Mm, Underline that in your Bible What you have heard from your father Can I just stop right here and tell somebody You might want to get some attitude for this new year some of you are going to stay stuck where you've been in 2023 and 2022 and 2021 because you ain't willing to change nothing. But before this service is over, some of you need to get some attitude for the new year if you want to change anything. Because some of you are going to have to completely revolutionize the way this thing up here works. You're going to have to be willing to say, Devil, this is the year that you can miss me with all them lies. The stuff that you told me before... I used to operate like it was true. You told me I was worthless, I operated like I was worthless. You told me nobody loved me, I've operated like that. You told me that I was sick and I would never be healed and I operated like that. But those days are over because I can't believe that anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you ought to put some stank on it. I wish I had somebody in this church. Yeah, you, you, you ought to be telling the devil, say, I'm making changes to what I believe. I don't believe that anymore. I am changing my mind. I am done putting what you say above what he says because what he says is truth and what you say is a lie and don't call me Rihanna, I don't like the way you lie. Verse 39, Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, oh boy, I'm going to get in trouble right here. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the what? Why would anybody who heard the truth want to kill the messenger? I like the way he lies. Uh, And when the truth comes, you got two options. You can lean into it and change, or you can reject it and walk away from it and try to kill the messenger. Man who has told you the truth that I heard from God, Abraham did no such things. You are doing the works of your own father. Something tells me he's not talking about Abraham. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me because I've come here from God. I've not come of my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Promise of victory. Bible-believing Christian. Those who are sick and need of healing. Those that are bound and need deliverance. Those that are addicted and need set free. Those that are tired of making bad choices. Why is my word not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say, you belong to your father, oh, now he says it, it ain't Abraham, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. It is amazing the way the devil gets us at that crossroads where we are winning but weary and we have choices to make. He gets us in tight spaces and he makes us think that the best is behind us. He makes us think that even though we are winning we are really losing and there is nothing that we can do about it and we might, not even, might as well not even try. And when we say in the church that devil is a lie everybody claps and shouts but it's not like we are running around saying that he's telling you stuff that you know is untrue. When we say the devil is a lie, that's not like he's coming and telling you the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl. You know that ain't true. Like you would recognize that immediately. And say, Satan, get behind me. <laughs> Only the devil could come up with something like that. No, the devil is wiser than that. The way he operates is by deception. Which means this, the devil specializes in saying things that sounds true. He's slick with it. He says it in such a way that you don't know it's him that's saying it. Yeah, yeah. when the, when the devil talks, it sounds like you. I'm going to go and tell you, God don't talk to me in big booming voices. I don't know if that's how he responds to you or not. Like I, I know Moses went up on the mountain and God spoke to, and it so shook the mountain and the people that when Moses got down, the people said, tell God don't ever do that again. <laughs> like, like we heard his voice up on that mountain we don't ever, tell him to tell you, like whisper it in your ear and then you come tell us. Like, like that. Like, so God don't talk to me in this big booming voice. When God speaks to me, it's a still small voice. And it sounds like me. And when the devil speaks to me, the father of... When he speaks to me, it's in my voice. The devil don't talk out loud to me. Unless I'm watching the news. <laughs> and, and the problem with too many people today is they say they want a word... But they, they only grab part of a verse and they think that the verse is true so they can get the value and the blessing out of it. Because here's what they heard. They heard the truth will set you free. And some of you have heard that too, right? But, but it didn't just say the truth will set you free. It said you will. Mind, will, emotions. You will. So there's something supernatural about getting the word in your knower. Okay, you will know the truth and then the truth will set you free. So you can't just be around the truth. You you can't just come and by osmosis soak this stuff up. You you can't even just come all the time and hear the truth. Did you hear what Jesus told the Pharisees? He said, you've heard me speak the truth and want to kill me. Because you you can hear the truth and reject the truth is not choosable. You have to know the truth. And notice what Jesus said about the Pharisees. He said, "There's no room for you for the truth." C- come on up here. I'm gonna stop. I'm, f- I'm 45 minutes in. I got like two pages of my 97-page thesis. He-, he says, "He says there's no room for you for the truth." No there's no room in you. There's no room for the truth in you. There's no room for the truth because you're so full of other stuff. Maybe it's presuppositions, maybe it's wounds, maybe it's pain, maybe it's suffering, maybe it's memories. Maybe it's bigotry, maybe it's hatred, maybe it's anger. Maybe it's all these things combined, but you're so full of everything else, you don't have room for the truth. And then he uses this other phrase. He said, you've heard the truth, but you couldn't hold on to it. I want to remind you who he was talking to. I told you to pay attention because I brought it to your attention when I read it. Who was he talking to? Jews who believed. these were believers these were christians these were every sunday churchgoers who loved jesus and his word but couldn't hold on to the truth why am i so sick and i can't get well why am i so depleted why am i so weary I know God is for me. I've quoted his scriptures. I've went to the altar. I've sought his face. I've asked. I've begged. I've pleaded. Why? I know you know the word. But have you been able to hold on to it? Because when you get to the Jordan River and you are pursuing, but you're depleted, you're winning, but you're weary, some people know the word and still stop. I'm just so tired. I just quit. I, just, I can't do this anymore. And Can I tell you that sometimes you don't quit out loud? Just like you get tired on the inside, sometimes you just quietly quit. You just give up on the inside. You ain't never came out and said, God, I don't love you anymore. None of us got the, 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 the gumption to do that. None of us are, are strong-willed enough to look up into heaven and say, I don't like you anymore. I don't believe in you anymore. No, 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 no. But on the inside, so you still come to church. Because you know it's what you should do. And you're around the truth. You quote truth. You believe truth. But there's no room. Because what's filling you up is remorse. Regret, sorrow, misery, pain, wounds. And There's no room for the truth to get in, so you can't hold to the truth. You know it, but you don't hold. Is this making sense to anybody? This is what he said, and he said, so the father of lies comes and starts spreading his message. Because you're weary, because of what you've been going through, you believe a lie more than you believe the truth. going to get deeper into this as the weeks go on. So my problem is not where I go to church. My, my problem is not who lays hands on me. My, my problem is not whether or not it was the elders and whether they had the right oil and whether it came from the right region of the Mount of Olives and it was harvested by Jewish elves Benny Hinn prayed over it that's not important, what's important is I know the truth but am I holding on to it and I'm going to tell you the old church had something that we don't have today because the old church didn't have any material goods but man they had faith man they believed they believed and nothing could shake them and you can't convince me they wasn't tired you can't convince me they weren't weary they got to the same Jordan River I'm at and they had the same decision to make that I do and they decided I'm going over I can do this I think I can I came here this morning to confront you as we get deeper into this I'm going to lay out some Philosophies, and I'm going to tell you some lies that the enemy speaks to you, and and I'm going to I'm going to give you some some meat. I'm, I'm, you'll have a lot of notes, but this morning I just wanted to come and confront you because if you don't first get this down, nothing else I tell you in the next three weeks is going to matter. Because if you think you can't, you're right. If you are. Weary to the point of exhaustion and you don't believe you can cross over? No preaching is going to get you there. The Bible talks about how when you face temptation He makes a way of escape but it never says He pulls you through the door. As a matter of fact, it says I've got some blessings for you and here's how you get them. Ask. Seek. Knock. you got to do something to get it. And if you think you can't, you won't. But I think I can. I think I can. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I think I can. If God be for me. Yes, I've listened to the lies of the enemy. Every person in this room, we're all guilty of this. I'm not calling you out. I'm with you in this. Every one of us has had our John 8 moment where the devil has came and talked to us and we didn't know it was him because God sounds like me and the devil sounds like me and I sound like me and I don't always know who's talking. So I have to understand what the standard is and I'll give you that in the, w- in the weeks ahead but I just wanted you to come this morning and just kind of build you up and say, I think I can. I couldn't in 2023. I lost, I lost something. I got to the Jordan and I just sat down. I just got so beat up I got so weary I got so defeated I just, I just been sitting here for too long but bless God thank you pastor I think I can now I, th- I think 2024 is going to be my year to advance I think we're going to go across I think I'm going to take my family across with me I think I'm going to re- rejuvenate my faith I think I'm going to get my hope back I think I can I'm tired, I'm exhausted, but I think I'm going to win this thing because God didn't bring me this far to just bring me this far. I think I can. I think I can pray one more time. I think I can lift my hands one more time. I think I can fellowship one more time. I think I can get to the church one more time. I think I can believe one more time. Does anybody think they can this morning? Jump to your feet all over the building. All over the building. My God in heaven, Lord, we thank you. We praise you in this place. I want you to lift your hands if you would. Just like you're releasing all the things that you've been weary about. That you're just letting it go. If if you're able to. I know some of you have physical limitations. But if you're able to, I want you to lift your hands. And and as you lift your hands, I want you to just think, I'm, I'm releasing everything that I've been wore out by. I can't make sense of it. I've been crying about it, I've been testifying about it, I've been posting about it, but I'm just so beat up, I'm so weary, and I'm going to release that right now. Or maybe you're wore out and just need to receive some strength. So as you lift your hands, you're giving heaven a point of contact to touch you with. And and as you're letting go of what you can't hold on to, heaven is touching you. Yes, I'm tired, but I'm going to cross over. I've fought too hard to quit now. I've came too far to turn around. Yes, I'm tired, but the sun has made me free, and I am free. I'm free to shout. I'm free to dance. I'm free to run. I'm free to claim my victory and believe that God is for me. God, I want you to shut the lies up in my head. I want you to speak the truth to me, your truth. I don't want to let my trauma become my truth. I don't want to let my trials become my truth. I don't want to let the weariness become my truth, but your word is truth. Connect it with my spirit right now and lead me where you want me to go. Your word is truth. Now, we're going to do this in reverse order. And this will be the last time in this series we do it this way because we're going to be taking communion. But I'm going to ask the prayer team and the staff, if you would, to come line up. Up here. This is the way I feel like we need to do it. And just face the congregation, if you would. Now that they're. Hallelujah. Here's the benefit of being in a family you don't have to do this by yourself. You're weary, but you're going to cross over. I'm tired I'm exhausted but I'm gonna finish this thing this is gonna be my year I think I can I think I can and if you are here this morning and you are just wore out you are weary you are beat up but you know you're not defeated you're an overcomer but you are tired I want you to come up here and stand in front of one of these prayer team members and I want them to pray with you. And I'm going to pray that the strength of heaven is going to come into you and infuse you. The Holy Spirit's going to do something in your body right now. It's going to do something in your mind right now. I want you to give your mind over to this thing. I want you to, I want you to say, God, fill my mind with your truth. I know who you are, but God, I need to hold on to your truth. This has been a rough season. It's been a tough season. It's been a long season, but your word is truth. And I believe, I believe, I believe, I think I can. I think I can. I think I can.